Welcome back to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. Got um, a podcast lined up for you this time, which will include the extra time of Everton's draw with Liverpool. A um, bit of a quiet one that game, if you don't know if any of you remember it. Uh, then we're going to move on to me and Owen discussing the upcoming game against Southampton at St Mary's away from home. And then finally, we're going to have a segment on the centre-back uh, and general defensive options available to the Blues at the minute. There's a lot of uh, injuries and a lot of uh, players you know, coming in and out of the team with regards to the defence. So me and I are going to dig deep into that and have a little discussion about what our options are there. So what we'll do is, as normal, is we'll introduce the YouTube uh, viewers to each segment, starting with the extra time for the Merseyside derby, and that one will include James as the host, um, with myself and Owen, and then from there it'll be just myself and Owen. So yeah, let's get cracking on the topic, Blues. Welcome to the extra time segment for Everton 2, Liverpool 2. We're going to be looking back on a very hotly contested Merseyside derby, full of controversy, full of talking points. Got Owen and Terry with me, which is always good when it's going over so many talking points. Loads of interesting things going to be said, no doubt about that. We'll start with you on this one, eh, Terry? Uh, what was your favourite part of that game yesterday? <laughs> the final whistle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, I was... I'm I surprised I didn't fold me couch in half with my ass cheeks. I was that tense watching it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we we've we've you know what can you say? We've massively got away with one, haven't we? Like it from our own point of view, you look at that and go, well, maybe that's a bit of a rebate from all the stupid VAR decisions we were getting last season. You know, like penalties that were incorrectly awarded, and they had to apologise for after like a Brighton away, and you know, at home with Tottenham, where Deli Ali balls in the box, and they're looking at it for five minutes, and they still don't give it. I know that doesn't really make Liverpool feel any better because they were involved in those games. But from our point of view, we've got two massive slices of luck um, in the Pickford decision at the beginning, which I'm sure we'll go over in a minute, and the of the, the goal in the last you know seconds as well. Being really let off by the two of those you know VAR decisions. But yeah, it's it's a point. Um, take the take the teams out of it, put them both in in blank kits, and you'd think well. It's a point we haven't really played that well in long spells. You know, key players haven't played well. In, you know, like Alan and and Gomez, you know, didn't play well. Um, didn't really see a lot from Richarlison until we did see a lot from him. Um, and we've still got a point off of Liverpool team who came out, you know, on fire, looking to put it, you know, correct their previous performance against Aston Villa. So it's a good point. I mean, I'd like to win. I think you know. <laughs> we're going to win eventually one day but if it, this wasn't a derby if this was this was Man City a couple of years ago when they set the record and we'd have got a point like that I'd have, got, I'd have come away going very good points against a very good team so we've got to look at it like that and we can yeah, move on I think it is literally because we're just that desperate for us to actually win a derby it's like that's the only reason we're coming away disappointed yeah I mean the the, the, the derby like winless streak's gone on for Youngs but that the problem, the reason it's gone on for that long is we never beat Liverpool when they were like shit. Like 
and we weren't like we went we were slightly less shit. Now they're the best team potentially in the world. So it's not because we can't beat this really good version of Liverpool if it's gone on so long. It's because we asked about and couldn't beat them in two thousand and twelve. Yeah, so you can you know everyone looks at it in the sense of a ten year period. If you just look at it in the sense of like a one two year period, this is uh, the best Liverpool I've possibly ever been. Like certainly the best they've been in my lifetime. You know they absolutely romped the league last year and they came out on fire yesterday. So you know we we show good character, didn't show good football. We've um. You know, we've had two massive slices of luck, and you know, you take the point. We're still top, still undefeated, and just go and make it make it count against um, Southampton next game. It's a good point. Next game. That's going to be an interesting game. They had a very uh, interesting draw as well yesterday, of course, three all against Chelsea. Uh, mm. Very interesting stuff. But what we'll do is, hey, we'll go, we'll just go in chronological order. We'll just go right the way back to the start of that roller coaster yesterday, and of course, Liverpool score after two minutes. Um, I mean, I was just like, now oh, here we go. Uh, what was going through your head when we gave away an early goal? Well, what, what do you think? I was thinking when we gave away an early goal after two, about two minutes and giving the ball away in our own half, I was fuming, that's why. Jesus Christ, early on in the game, first 15 minutes, nothing cheap, nothing easy. Get up the pitch, get a feel of the game. Seamus Coleman just gets done. And then just put, put the... Robertson puts a good ball in the Manny's on the end of it, I think. Really disappointed to concede that goal, but from that moment on, I didn't think we would we would get anything from the game, but we obviously did. And I'm not going to complain about the results at all. I think 13 points from five games, an unreal return, especially when you consider we played Tottenham and Liverpool, two teams I think will be in the top three this season. And so, overall, I think we've got to be really pleased with how we're playing, I think. We we got lucky, but I think especially that early moment of the game, that game could have gone a completely different way. And I think everything of yesteryear from that moment, um, I think I think they find it very difficult to get back in the game at all. Never mind get a draw. Absolutely, I think it's worth noting that Liverpool had a fair few chances right after that as well. It looked as if we were going to completely cave in. And that included the chance which led to Virgil van Dijk getting injured by Jordan Pickford, which was, again, in this period of sustained pressure from Liverpool where they get in behind our defence again. And, of course, this happens. What was your take on the Virgil van Dijk-Pickford incident, Terry? Oh, I think Pickford should go and put the lottery on. Um, because the, how he has stayed on the pitch after that, when, when you see it like live... It, yeah, it doesn't look as bad as it actually is, but then when they show that reversed angle from the Gladys Street, and you see that he's like absolutely flew into him. <laughs> just think, are you fucking serious? Like, it's, you know, we've just conceded an early goal. Liverpool have come out flying and we're, you know, giving away scrappy free kicks. We were very much on the ropes at that stage. Yeah, we're a bit, bit shell shocked, you know, because they've come out, you know, amazing, and we're like on, on you know, rocking on our heels. All you need to do. You just get a grip of things and just calm things down and don't, you know, as Owen said, don't give away anything cheap. And it's just like, oh, mate, it, I, I, it's questionable whether it was even offsides. I mean, if that's the rule, that's the rule. But I looked at it and I always, I always try and look at any 
VAR referee decision going, what would you be like if it went the other way? And I'd have been going nuts that that was ruled offside if it was us attacking them. Yeah, it was very, really, very bad. I'd have certainly been pissed off if, you know, we should have had a sending off and a penalty and it wasn't given, especially when you've got a video replay which shows it clear as day. And you know what I mean? Look, we're an Everton channel, but you've got to be honest, haven't you? It's like, I don't know. We, we've got away with that massively because, all right, the injury's the injury. Like, he's been injured. He's, he's picked up, he's got injured in the incident and injuries happen in games. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm glad he went off for this match, but I hope he doesn't get injured any further because that's just, because imagine, you know, imagine someone, one of the, imagine their keeper did that to our best player, like James Rodriguez, you'd be absolutely spitting acid, wouldn't you? If you absolutely. lost him for the season. So, you know, it, it benefited us that he went off for that game, but you don't want to see him off for any, any longer than that. But, even if he wasn't injured, like what are you doing, Pickford? You we should be ten men down. We should be down to ten men. And let's be honest, likely to concede another. We should be two, you know, five minutes in, two goals down, and down to ten men because our keeper hasn't got two brain cells. I just well, couldn't I believe we got. That's a good point about the not having two brain cells because I don't actually think that this was a malicious challenge from Pickford. I just think he was off the pace. Van Dijk got the ball before him. He's gone through him trying to because he's panicked and. It's oh, just he just makes the worst decisions of any keeper I've ever seen, apart from maybe Kepa, but he's getting there now. How many games has it been now? Like so we'll come on to his other you know issues later later on, but uh, we were massively let off for him to not to concede the penalty and not to be sent off. Because you know what, you know if that was the other way around, you know if their keeper came out and flew into one of our players like that and we got nothing for it. And I'd just I'd be going berserk. So I've I have got you know, I've got to hold my hands up and just go, you know what, we got away with it there. Like, everyone throws up and, land, you know, like, oh, well, this, you know, previous derbies, like, yeah, but doesn't mean that you can't, ex- you know, you don't, you can still admit, shouldn't have really had that. No, it wasn't harsh, but, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of Liverpool fans who are admittedly, like, eat off by what happened yesterday and, like, this incident with Van Dyke and like, the book. Like, before the game, you were sure putting up pictures of their kite. Like kicking, kicking Phil Neville and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, it's one of them. It's just, it's hard. It it's, it's horrible for Van Dyke, I think. But in, in terms of the fans, like you know, when you're putting up pictures of Gerrard smacking Gary Naismith and stuff like that before the game, putting right into these mongrels and stuff like that. It's, a, it's one of them. It was a naughty for me. It was a naughty tackle, but you think? It, it was poor goalkeeping initially, but then. I must admit, I'd rather him did what he did and take Van Dyke out than him hesitate. Out of the challenge, and then concede a goal. Uh, it was he wasn't malicious. He was it was just poor goalkeeping, and he tried to atone for it by taking everything else. It was just bad goalkeeping initially. I, I, I don't I don't want to wish any player injured, but sometimes you've just got to do what you've got to do to not concede a goal. It was a bad tackle. He should have seen red, but. I, I, I'm not like I don't think it was malicious. I just think it was bad goalkeeping that he had home for, and it was unfortunate that Van Dijk got injured. Well, I think yeah, absolutely... I'd... Go ahead. So, so, see, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. If if this you know had gone the way it probably should have, I'd rather him concede the second goal than get sent off because you can come back from two 0 down. You can't come back from two 0 down with ten men. So he, you know he's made the mistake, and. He then goes on and really should have got himself sent off. And it's just like, what? How? 
many times is he going to do this? Well, it wasn't even the last time this game, was it? Let's be no, honest. This is, this is what I find absolutely hilariously ironic is that Liverpool fans who are obviously upset about the Van Dyke injury are going, Pickford should be banned for as long as Van Dyke's injured and thinking that would be the biggest blessing in disguise for Everton. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 sorry, go on. I was just saying, I, our fans are saying that when Son injured Gomez, it just doesn't work like that. You don't get injured. You don't get banned for as long as someone's injured. It's just, it's just it, the na- nasty tackles. But come on, let's be realistic here. Yeah, I mean, with, with with the son injury, the way I look at that is, you, you saw after Gomez had caught him in the face, don't you? Like he went out to do him, and pro- and it did him more than he probably meant to do. So that was a malicious tackle. I don't think Pickford was malicious. He's just stupid. Like yeah, it's he's, not even. He's a he's very a cool, he's, a, he's a clum he's a clumsy player at the best of times. He's he's absolutely stupid. Like why would you do that in your own box? He's just he's just been massively let off by the VAR and not for the first time. I mean I, you know, James, you were saying before about like, you know, the dead kite thing and all that going. You could pick out fans on every team who were like that. I don't want to go down like a rabbit hole like that because you every time well, they're putting pictures of that, but then we're putting pictures of that. It's just like, just, I, I just want to focus on the players in the game. So it's it's not mm. right. Like, it, it, if if he comes out today and says, um, yeah, he's only going to be out for a week, you know, he just jarred it badly, then you could sort of go, well, okay, then, you know, he's, you know, it's, it's what goes around comes around. You know, like, you know, we, we've had some bad stuff in the past, but you know if if he comes out and he goes, yeah, I've got like a nine-month injury, my season's over, you go, fucking hell, like, that's that's too much. That's like, you, you can understand them being upset by that because, as I say, imagine someone did Calvert-Lewin or, mm. or or Rodriguez now like that. I always, I draw the line at injuries and like that going, you, you're getting up at fans everywhere and I just, yeah. yeah, I don't think you should judge people based on that because last night, social media was horrendous. It was just, I've, I've, never, seen, I've never seen it. From all sides, like from all sides. So I, I, I just think you know what, people turn into like something they're not. Where on these games, it turns into like angry teenagers, all you know, trying their best to upset each other. But yeah. anyway, I've, I've gone off on one there. Let's get back to the game. I'm not going to the senders off. What was what about the Charlesons sender off? I personally think this one was more of a red card than the Pickford one. Uh, no complaints with that. That was definitely a red card. I think he he didn't need the whistle. I think he just tried to take the man out to sort of stop the counter attack. But it was a nasty tackle. It was a stupid tackle. He's out for three games now, and yeah. oh, ridiculous. But yeah, it was no complaints with that. Yeah, I, think yeah. it was one of them. I don't think Richarlison was fit yesterday. Personally, I thought he didn't play the same kind of game that we used to see. He wasn't up and down. But, I mean, he did he did have good moments, but he wasn't same speed that we used to see them at and I think if he probably had the right speed he probably doesn't end up going into that challenge late and as dangerous as he does yeah I mean yeah you can say a lot of things about Richarlison you can say like you know he's moody or he like play acts and you know he's dramatic and all that but you can't say he's never done anyone has he it's a it's ridiculous ridiculous tackle I've seen seen a lot of people saying Richarlison isn't that kind of player and he's the type of player who will go into it and just run more seriously is that more just copied file in the heat of the moment that's just angry Ed fans like I I, I honestly um, 
wouldn't put it past myself being the same in the same scenario if I'd have had two players get injured like in the same game. But um, no, he's 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 got form for a few things. He's got form for like you know rolling round when he hasn't even been given that, the far. That annoys me more. If I'm being honest, that yeah. rolling. Jesus, <laughs> I'd Christ. rather him. I'd rather him dive than than roll round when he hasn't got the decision. Just get it back up if you haven't got it. But like he has got form for that, he's got form for being a little bit moody, but he hasn't got form for snapping people and injuring people. Don't be ridiculous. Like he he he's, he come out and apologised, and then someone replied to him, didn't he? And said, well, because he said in the apology, I didn't mean to hurt someone. And then someone replied to that with a picture of him showing studs, going, well, you're showing studs, so you do mean to hurt someone. Then he replies with, um, you know, him pulling once he's the contact's been made, him pulling his studs away. Which is a bit stupid because it still doesn't mean he hadn't shown his studs. But I think he's trying to like defend himself, saying, "No, no, I didn't try and hurt him. It was reckless, but it wasn't like you know malicious." Yeah. And then everyone's everyone's took it to mean like he was laughing about it. Like, no, he he wasn't clearly like he's not going to do a big written apology about something. Then five minutes later, go ah, look at that. I mm. just think he's been misunderstood. And because everyone's still you know going berserk, which you know whatever. Yeah, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to leave Anfield unless it's in a body bag or sort of stuff like that. Yeah, whatever. Like, but you know, I, I that's one thing I will say. Pickford's got away with it. Richarlison's held his hands up and said, "Listen, I should have been sent off. I was, you know, it was a stupid tackle. I didn't mean to hurt him. I just meant to like, it was, it was stupid and reckless. It wasn't malicious. That's what his, you know, point is. Whether people agree with that or not, I don't think you can turn around and say, look, he was laughing about it. Your apology means nothing. It's going not." Come on, he's not. Why would you bother writing a big apology and then five minutes later start laughing about it? Of course, he's not. But yeah, he, he rightfully, you know, he rightfully goes. He's it's stupid. The whistle's already gone, and he's just as as Owen said, he's tried to stop the counter attack, and it's just blew up in his face badly. Yeah, it's another day for him. Well, something that I, I must admit did did make me laugh though Saturday night was the Gerard era on Twitter saying. The Everton are the most dirty, scummiest team in, in the Premier League. Well, good, mate. I'm, that's exactly where I want Everton to be. If we're, if we're the nicest team in the league, I don't want to know us. I'm not saying... <laughs> that that means we need a lot of players football the right way. Well, do you know what? Maybe we did play the right way yesterday. We would have got B5-0, so, yeah. Exactly. Take well, that's that. what Liverpool fans want you to play the right way, because that means they'll usually win. Oh, they, they did the same. Atletico beat them and when Burnley I think got a draw against them and Arsenal beat them a few times so you don't you don't rush forward against them and let them win they have an issue which is fair enough because everyone wants to win but that, that's you want you to play into the hands and if you don't you don't get behaviour and say you're like the dirty team or anti-footballer if, if I can live with Salah and Manny rolling around like they've been shot I'm sure they can live with teams defending deep there you go yeah fair enough uh, moving on anyway of course we equalised through Michael Keane the first time, a brilliant as a goal from a set piece again, another goal from Derek and set piece. So, you know, can't complain about the uh, set pieces this season. No, totally different, isn't it? But it's it's one of them. It's it's you know, we've had a lot of luck going in our favour this game and the fact Van Dyke went off, it's no coincidence that one you know, without him on the pitch we scored two headers. Like he's he, you know, we made the most of their weakening of aerial, you know, presence in defence. So they got the and also, let's be honest, that first goal, the Keane goal, is a gift from that keeper. Adrian yeah. is 
is shocking, isn't he? Like he's absolutely pony. I know our keeper's bad, but it doesn't mean that he's he's not as well. And I don't well, the the least like imagine the drop off like with him and Allison and to him. Like no wonder they all can't stand him because he's costing them goals and goals every time he's playing, isn't he? I'm going to say it. Even Joel Robles is better. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I can agree with that. But yeah, yeah he's still better. Shell shocked. Shell shocked after the first goal from them, and we get away with one with Pickford. Then they're a little bit shell shocked when Van Dyke goes off. I felt like we sort of we didn't suddenly we didn't get back on top per se, but they definitely you know eased off a little bit. They went a bit within themselves, and that's when we got our equaliser. Um, was it one one at half time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one one at half time, and then the game sort of settled into like a sort of malaise, didn't it? In the second half, like wasn't really going either way. You know, you know, you know, some players were having you know good games, like Henderson and Thiago were both unreal for them. I've got to be honest. But then you look at like you know, James Rodriguez started coming into the game more. I didn't think he had much to say in the first half, but he started to get on him. On top of things, a little bit more in the yeah, second he half. Play back in and Nipadina and Talbot, they had a good chance. Yeah, we had the header from Richarlison, which, I mean, we. That went in, Jesus. I know it's just that we. That's two times we've hit the post in the last two games, like against Liverpool, like just one of them go in for fuck's sake, and we've gone ahead, and then obviously there's the the um, one where what Owen just said, then when he pings it across and and. Calvert Lewin's just a little bit behind it and can't make it. You know, if you fashion ourselves a few good chances and then, you know, they score from a stupid mistake from Yeri Well, it was a stupid mistake. I, th- I think what I noticed, especially at the start of the second half, was there were a lot of like direct balls going from one end to the other and no one really could get into the game. No one really took control of it. I thought Henderson and Thiago settled it down for a bit for them, but there was no one from our team and I'm not going to mention Andre Gomez because what's the point to just get pelters if I do mention him? But no one from our team was similarly sort of controlling the game like they were. After that, I think especially they scored and then obviously Dom scored and there was a few more chances. But I think I think as much as we say we were lucky in that game, there were opportunities for us to take the lead and sort of forge a different path yeah, to that game. That's a good point. That one all, I think we spent the opportunity to win the game. I think once we went two on down, I didn't fancy us to win, but. I thought we'd still have a chance of getting back in the game, which we did. And let's talk about that Dominic Calvert Lewin goal. Yeah, I mean, what a crowd! The 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 goals we conceded were entirely of our own making. You know, we didn't track Mane on his run, and we absolutely you know backheeled it onto a plate for him for Salah to score his. But you look at our goals and you go, yeah, set piece, fair enough. But then that you know the, the goal of the game. Was the Dominic Calvert Lewin one? Like Jürgen Klopp said, didn't he? As soon as um, Dean got the ball and stood it up to the back post, the the Everton bench just just all shouted and stood up when it was hanging in the air because they knew here we go. Um, Calvert Lewin, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo style leap into the air, puts it across goal, and I just think you know what? He scored some scruffy ass goals this season, but that was oh, that was peach. like picturesque. That was that was. Um, I was going to say, Tim Cale scored goals like that, like every week. I knew, I knew, I knew it was going in as soon as Luca Dean put the cross in. And what a footballer Luca Dean is, by the way. Yeah, I don't. I know he was excellent. He is someone. I think we look at this season the way we've gone so far. I, I think he's the one player who's been 
literally top notch in every game and gone under the radar for how good he's been. I think what a signer and what a footballer he is. He's an absolute joy to watch. Defensively as well, he won the most aerial yeah. duels yesterday, and he's been he's played centre back in the in the league cup, and like he's just absolutely uh, amazing. I love Lucatini; he's possibly my favourite player. He's just so good. He's a model professional as well. You can put him anywhere, and he'll do a job. Yeah, yeah, that's, he, why, he, I think that's why after Coleman's injury, he wears the armband now. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, I, for me, he may be not a captain in name, but he, he's a captain in sort of attitude and application and performance. He, he's a proper, he's a proper player. That's one of those. Um, 17, sorry, 17 million quid, by the way, tremendous. One of those players who you just know, you know, when opposition managers do their analysis of Everton before we play them, he'll mm. be one of the names on the whiteboard, won't he? Like you know, there'll be Hamas Rodriguez, there'll be, there'll be um, Dominic Carvalho, and there'll be Lucadine. You'll be like going, "Here, you need to stop each one of these if you're gonna, if we're gonna win this game." And he, he is just great, Lucadine. But, um, of course, we'll get to the very end of the game now, of course, after the Richarlison sending off. It was a nearly finish, and he thought it was another one of them when they scored another late goal from another error from Pickford. And, you know, it, was, it looked like it was going to be one of them, again, where we all have to just go and retreat into our caves for months on end. And thankfully, it wasn't to be because of a very controversial VAR decision. Guys, what are your stances on the VAR decision? I've I've watched I think now twenty seven replays of this incident and I've yet to see any offsides, but I'm not but do I care now? No, you can't complain. Obviously it's worked out in our favour, but I didn't see an offside there either. I was looking no. I was I was getting ready to do my match reaction because I was just like absolutely infuriated and I was just like I felt like head button the walls after seeing that go in and I thought I've had enough of this big and had enough of this. Skip the offside and blow the big and whistle so I can see match reaction and go and have a few pints. And then I look and I'm like, yeah, it's not offside, so swear it off, get it done, over and done with. And then you just allow it. And I'm I'm yeah. just absolutely bewildered. I mean, the happiest kind of bewildered, but bewildered nonetheless. I I celebrated that more than any of our two goals. No, absolutely. That's how much I remember. It was nonsense and it, it, it was a goal because I, I am yet to see any offside, but just the relief that. But I think we, we really... Lucky, unfa- we, we got lucky for once. Yeah, it, it was that kind of thing saying, yeah, we deserve a bit of um, a bit of luck here because of how unlucky we've been in so many big games in the past. But yeah, and then we get... And then we get the free kick in the last minute and at that point yeah, of all. Let's go and win it now, I, I was thinking if we score this now, I'm getting the plastic Premier League trophies out because there's no way on earth we've deserved to win this game. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I like when the Charleston goes off, they've got five minutes uh, with, you know, what an extra man. And that's where that's how I go. You can really see where he's going to help them. Like he, he looked really good against Chelsea when it was 10 men and he looked really good against us for five minutes when it was 10 men and what did teams with 10 men do? They sit low and compact so that's why he's been brought in because he's going to be the player who play, you know, unlocks those, you know, the Burnleys of the, of the Premier League and what have you and the te- <laughs> sorry Owen, the teams, who, uh, the teams who sit in and like, you know, build a wall around their goal, that's what he's for and you can see already like the pass 
um, before the goal. It was a two. I think it's Tamane. But he, uh, it, it's a great pass. And then you know he rolls it back to sit to Henderson, and Henderson. It's the meekest, mildest you know P-roller shot ever. And somehow Jordan Pickford uh, conspires to oh, yeah. put it in his net. It's like that should be a Jordan Pickford's own goal. That's how bad that is. And I just think you know what you've got he only needs, a again. He needs dropping. We he's that should have been. The second time. Go on. I am actually begging for them to do some sort of retrospective action on Pickford because it could be a blessing in disguise. Honestly, honestly, just just drop them next game because that, you know, but for, you know, the football and God smiling on us and ruling that out for an offside, that frankly, I can't see. If it is, if the new letter of the law says, oh, yeah, that tiny bit of his, you know, sleeve is ahead of me in his boot, then okay, it's still. Nonsense, isn't it? But all right, that's the lesser of the law. But for me, that's like he's he's conceded the goal in the ninety fifth minute again. It's like I said before the game. If he keeps doing this in any games, never mind derbies, he needs to be dropped. We should be sitting here now, having lost three two to a last minute winner again, and it was Pickford's fault. How many times does he need to do this? He, the Pickford, the the one with the Rigi, where we were we were actually. Closer to Liverpool in that game than we were in this one. He cost us. He, he practically derailed our season that year because we went on a bad run after that. Mm. And this, he, he might have done it this time. Like imagine the imagine the negative impact. I mean, we might have weathered it better with like better players and a better manager this time. But imagine the negative impact if we'd have lost that game in that fashion because that absolute moron can't can't. You know, he, oh yeah, he, he does a really good save against um, a corner header from Joel Matip. like. Yeah, but that means nothing if he's going to let goals in like that. He cancels out any good saves he makes by doing that. So for me, next game, drop him for Olsen. That Olsen cannot be worse than him. And if he is, give him a chance to be worse because Pickford is absolutely Pickford's shy. Out of, he's out of chances now. He's running out of chances. <clears throat> and one player we Teddy, haven't talked about. I was going to say, Ted, in his current form, you're not worse than him. I know. He's absolutely... Diabolical, and you know who else I'd, I'd probably drop as well. And I've been a fan of his. I'd drop Nina because we've had quite a few. You know, we've had a lot more good results this well, season. Yeah. Not more good results this season, but we've had quite a lot of defensive errors in, in across games, and we keep getting away with it because we're scoring a lot of goals. But every mistake, if you look at our defensive mistakes this season, have been either Pickford or Nina. And Ben Godfrey came on and threw a blanket over him. Sadio Mane. He was better at right back than Coleman was. So I, I personally, if, if Kenny is um, fit for the next game, because I don't think Coleman's going to be, I'd play Kenny right back and I'd put Godfrey at um, centre-back. Well, Carlo said that Kenny will be fit for that game, so that'd be good to see maybe if we can see Godfrey in his natural position and see what he can bring to the table. He was really good, Godfrey, when he came on, stood up to the challenge. I, I would honestly, I'd bring Olsen and I'd bring Godfrey in next game and just go, and just, just say to them, sorry lads, we're still, I mean, we've got a lot of good results, but we've got very high standards to maintain and use too. I've been making mistakes. Oh, so yeah. Uh, we should be, I said it before, we should be sitting here having lost another derby in the last second because of our goalkeeper. That would have been three goals that were our own fault to concede. And Pickford, I'm, I'm sorry, mate, you've got it. You should have, you either should have been sent off in the fifth minute and that's just 2 0 down, or you should have conceded the 95th minute um, winner. So, either whichever way, one, either you, way, you've got off the hook there. Whichever one makes you feel better, that's the reason you're getting drops, mate. I mean, I can't see it, but he needs he needs dropping off he a cliff. Needs a lot of his backside, don't he? Yeah. 
Another thing on maybe dropping me for the Southampton game is they play two forwards who are very quick and mobile. There you have it, guys. For once, Lady Walker shine on Everton on Merseyside Derby Day. Everton come away with, let's say, a slightly undeserved point uh, after a few controversial decisions actually went in our favour. Me and Terry are here today to discuss Everton's latest game where we're going to be accused of injuring more players and disrupting other teams' sort of rhythm to the season as we go down to a ground that I don't think has been really kind to us over the years, but we won there last year, Southampton away on Sunday. Um, excited for the game, obviously Everton's top of the league, 13 points. As I'd like to really say to everyone, I'd really like to remind everyone how many points we've got after five games. <laughs> cathartic is it not um, but obviously I'm joined by Terry today to discuss the game um, Terry obviously, obviously it's been a game over the years where we, we've kind of struggled I think especially down to their place I think it's been that classic case of apart from last season um, we win at Goodison and they win at St Mary's I think that's how it's tend to have gone but are you confident for the game? I don't think confidence <sighs> I don't know, it depends on how you take confidence. I'm not confident of the victory, but I'm confident that we'll we've got it in us to win, like if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the injuries don't help. Like we've and the suspension, obviously. Richarlison was going to be a big enough miss by himself. I think if it had just been Richarlison attacking wise, we may have got round that. Um, even with the defensive, you know, injuries, you know, Godfrey um is probably gonna come in at right back or possibly John Joe Kenny. We've obviously had the news late late in the week news that James Rodriguez may be not available for this game. And that is a massive blow because our, most of our attack and play um this season, it's just sort of come through come through him, hasn't it? I mean, it's not he is the least replaceable player in our current starting eleven, I think. I think we could even the better players like Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, they're very hard to replace, but they're not irreplaceable. There is potential, you know, options you could do to sort of, you know, soften that blow. But with Rodriguez, there's just no, no, there's no good fit to do the job that he does. So it's a big test for the for the team. It's just about how we adapt, how the manager adapts. You know, we're not going to get to play, you know, our ideal eleven every game for the whole season, and this will be a real test for how far the team can go if we come through this game with so many key players gone and we've got a positive result, be that, you know, a draw or a win, then, you know, people, you know, the neutrals may actually look at Everton and go, you know, they've had some setbacks there, but they still got it, you know, they still dug in and got a result. So it'll be a big acid test for where we can go for the rest of the season. I mean, what about you? I mean, you you said then about um, St Mary's, we seem to lose there and, and win, at, at, at Goodison, but we've been doing that with every ground for the past couple of yeah. years. It's only Carlos yeah. come in that we've picked up some away form. So, what, what do you think? Well, for, for me, I think if you'd have asked me before the Liverpool game, before kind of this new sort of rut of injuries came and hit us, I probably would have said I was feeling confident for the game before we'll have had a lot to sort of hit their high line. But with obviously Rodriguez being injured, obviously with Charleston getting suspended. Seamus Coleman sort of not being fit for the game. It kind of just temper your expectations for the game. Not to say that we can't go down there and win because I fancy everything against anyone at the moment with the sort of confidence we're in. But 
it is one I think if everything were to just if everything were to avoid defeating this one, I think it just carries the momentum on somewhat against a team that's been in really good form lately. Um I, I just I think the key for this game is sort of I don't know how that kind of comes, but just make sure that we leave the game with some more momentum. And I, I think that's the key. I think if we weren't managed to get down there, go down there and win, I think that would be great. I think obviously it'd be really interesting to see how the midfield line up this weekend because the last time we played Southampton, I think they gave us a bit of a midfield masterclass. I think Hoiberg, I think could have been who's been next to him in midfield, then Armstrong or Romeo. Yeah. Yeah. Well the the kind of the axis of that sort of overshadowed Andre Gomez and of Tom Davis or Gilfie Sigurds and whoever it was that day. I can't remember. They just sort of all roll into one type of performance. But obviously I, I'm not really I can't say I'm overly confident about the game, but I feel like it's a game that ultimately Everton, if Everton are going to do anything this season, they go there and win. But also, I think if we get a point and just try and keep the results sort of machine, as I like to call it, going, I think that will also be positive. What are your thoughts on Southampton? Obviously, they've, had, they've been, I'm not going to mention the 9-0 Southampton fans, because I know every video you turn on and hear about your club, someone mentions the 9-0, now you've miraculously turned around from it. But I'm going to say in general, since Ralph Hassenhall's been there, what, what have you been your general thoughts about how they've gone about the business? Well, he's he's a great manager. I really like him. I I think he's. I hate being like this because I don't like when it's applied to Everton. But he'll he'll be at one of the top elite clubs soon. Like the next big job that comes up, I think he'll be right in there for. Um, when you said about the game at Goodison last year, he pressed us to death, didn't he? Like that's that seems to be his style. Like you know, he's he's um he's another one of them, isn't he? Where he, it's all about the work rate off and on the ball. And he's obviously got some you know good good he's Danny Yings, let's just get it out of the way. He's you know what already one nil down, frankly, because he's gonna get <laughs> obligatory is obligatory goal against us, isn't he? But um it's we've we've conceded this season anyway, but just done well by scoring more, which you know is great. Um I think it's gonna be another one of them. I, I think they will score goals. It's just about how we can respond. And obviously, without two of our first choice front three, it's going to be difficult. But it's not only the you know hard work and pressing team. They've got a lot of pace. I find like yeah. on, on like you know in especially in like wide areas. Like they can't use Walcott. He's still technically our player. Do you remember Walcott? Um, Who? I know. <laughs> um, the, so they've got Redmond. They've got Che Adam. They've got players like that. They've got. Um, Oh, sorry. Musa Gineppo. Yeah, I didn't want to say his name, so I couldn't say it. But, so I'm glad you did. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of pace, and I think that is where it will probably hurt us, because we're, we're likely going to carry on playing um, Keane and Mina. Who Keane especially has been superb this season, but he hasn't got faster, has he? And, and Mina certainly no. hasn't. So, uh, Godfrey is fast. So if he was to play centre-back alongside Keane and Kenny was to start, I don't think that is how it's going to happen, but just on the off chance, I think we'd be able to play a lot higher with that type of back four, but I think what we're going to do is play the three centre-backs, you know, Mina, Keane and Godfrey, and probably sit in a little bit lower, especially with um, 
you know, Godfrey at right back, he's not going to be flying up and down the wing, he's going to be doing more of a defensive job. If we had another striker, this could have been a game without Hammers where we dropped back into a 4 4 2 with like the inverted back, but we haven't, we've yeah. only got the one striker. Unless we were to, I don't know, who would you be? Play Gordon after striker, or I don't know, I don't quite know how you would do it. Um, not gonna do it, Lloyd, <laughs> but... yeah, he's, he's, he's not. He, he's not going to do it, so he's probably going to no. play the same the same formation, but bring a Wobie in for one of the wide spots with it likely to be on the right now. With if Hammers doesn't make it, and on the left, either Gordon or or Bernard. Bernard. Yeah, I, I'd I think, like to I see Gordon. Probably, yeah, I I'm going to say that. I think I would like it to be Gordon, but. With the sort of like squad sort of hierarchy this season, Bernard's been higher than Gordon, so that tells me Bernard's more likely to play than Gordon. Yeah, he's been on a bench more, hasn't he? And and, and what have you? But it just makes me think. You go back to after the lockdown, um, Gordon sort of jumped ahead mm. of Holland, didn't he? Yeah. Like, he, and he's sort of. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, he's done. You know, he's amazing. You have got to get him back on the team. But it's it's mad how that it's sort of. You know, they've rolled them back a little bit, you know, cooled them down. But in this game, if we you know, if we might probably we might benefit from having him because he's going to be a little bit more direct than either of the other two wingers, a little bit quicker. Like he's not a fast player, but he is faster than than Bernard and Awobi. They're both, you know, the sort of football and wide player, they're not going to beat a man for pace, they're going to try and like look to create things, but there's no runners. I don't know. You know who they're going to be creating for. Calvert Lewin, you know, is, is a box striker, isn't he? So I don't know. I think a lot of the emphasis will be on the midfield. I think this could be a game where Decore is massive for yeah. us. If he can get beyond, you know, if he can go beyond Calvert Lewin and assist him since he's not going to have, you know, Rich Allison up alongside him. And could even be, I never thought I'd say this, but, you know, it could be a game to start Sigurdsson. I think set pieces are going to be huge, especially when we haven't got Hammers putting them in. You, you know what kind of line I'm going to tell for this game, and that is Andre out, go, go, go for you. And I think, enough, I think you've got Alan as the sitter. I think you've, I think you've got Decore as the box to box, sort of your legs. And I think with Richarlison and Hammers being out, now I know Gilfie isn't exactly, he, he didn't score 20 goals last season, but if, you, if I said to you, Sunday, Gomez or Sigurdsson, who do you think is more likely to pop up with the winner? I'm sure you would probably say Sigurdsson, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I think he's doubly important because of set pieces. We score a lot yeah. of set pieces and we haven't got Hammers putting them in, so who's our next best set piece, take, set piece taker? It's going to be the Dean or Sigurdsson, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's... I think we will... I'm not saying we will for sure see Sigurdsson for Gomez because I think he is kind of warm to Gomez playing that sort of third midfield role this season. But it also wouldn't surprise me to see Gilfie in there. I think in a three with two mobile midfielders, I think you could get a lot more out of Gilfie than what we saw last season. Equally, he could just ghost around again. It's a flip of a coin with him. But after seeing Gomez in, I would say, 50% of the games this season, not really affect the game that much. I would like to see Sigurdsson maybe get a game in a, if we had Hammers and um, Rich, Rich, Richie playing, I, I would also be kind of tempted to play Delph and sort of dog the midfield out and then just get the ball to our attacking players. I just don't think Bernard and Awobi or even 
good and are effective enough to try and do that. I think we kind of need another midfielder who's who's likely to get on the score sheet, and that's why I think Sigurdsson will play. Obviously, Calvert-Lewin will play. I think, and I think Bernard and Awobi will both play, and I think the rest of the team kind of picks itself. One thing I did want to talk about was the goalkeeping situation. Now I know Pickford's been obviously starting every game, I think, since 2017, since he's come in. But it feels like, and I, I don't know that the tide's turning against him. And I think if any week in these three years he's been at the club that he's going to be swapped out, it feels like this is the biggest, this is the most likely another goalkeeper would come in and replace him. See, I think the opposite. I, 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 you know, on a strict football basis, I, I, I don't know anything about Olsen, but I think Pickford should be dropped because his performance just wasn't good in the derby. Like he made that couple of, you know, he made a decent save from an Alexander Arnold free kick, made a, a world class save from the Matip header, but he also should have got sent off on the fifth minute, and he also should have cost us a injury time winner again. So, yeah, and it's not. Like in isolation, they're not treating him harshly on that game. He's been doing it for weeks and months, but it doesn't. You know, things don't happen in a vacuum. Like he, this week, I think it may be. It's going to say a lot about Ancelotti. He's either going to play him and just back him to come through the um, come through this period. You know, probably the hardest period of his career. Let's be yeah. honest. This is his lowest low, isn't it? That he, you know, he's been all over the national press. Everyone's absolutely slating him. He's getting all kinds sent to him, like and. You know, he'll either bring him out, Angelotti will either bring him out because he doesn't think, you know, protect him a little bit, doesn't think he's in the right state of mind to play, or he'll back him and say, right, let's put this behind us. It's just, don't know. I could, you could flip a coin. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but if this was, if this was all very sterile and nothing had gone on off the pitch, I'd be looking for him to get dropped soon anyway, because I don't think he's performing well enough, but may, may, may not be as simple as that now. What about you? No. If I was if I was gonna if I was gonna nail me colours to the mass, I'd say he would start the game. But I don't know. I think Carlo has done things in the past that have kind of stumped me before, like throwing the go of throwing Alan um Hammers and Decore in the first week. I thought there was zero chance of that happening and he just did it. So equally it wouldn't surprise me to see Olsen play. It 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 I think it depends how much the club rate Olsen. Whether he's just a glorified Stecklenberg or he's actually there to sort of, you know, sort of get the levels up. I think we'll. I think time will tell. But that. But I. I. I don't know. But I. I'd like to see Austin play. But obviously, honestly, it's it's unsure. Like you said before, before about this being his lowest step. The last star being made a huge blunder in was the Rigi one. But the difference with that one was, I think we sort of had a consistent period where we weren't really calling them out and he was performing relatively well, that we just saw that as sort of a blip rather than sort of being what yeah. the norm of him. So whilst that probably, well, it did cost us more, I feel like this I feel like this one is sort of a succession of errors and I don't know if after everything he's, he's sort of went through so far, this is the week Carlo could change it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? The, the selection, the selection. He's had, he's got three changes he's got to make 
absolutely got to make. And then I don't think he'll probably do any more than that because then you make you're getting into changing half the team territory. So we're likely to see Godfrey come in at right back. Um Awobi's been the first sub most weeks, hasn't he? So he'll definitely come in. I mean, that left hand side is the one of the few positions in the squad who were quite well stacked, not in terms yeah. of direct quality, but in like relative quality, you know, like there's no massive drop off. Well, not in the same way that it is on the other side. And then the third player, who's who's the second sub? It's usually Sigurdsson. Do you think we could see Sigurdsson and Iwobi? Maybe see Sigurdsson on the left? Oh, God. That, Just let no. Teen go them every time. I don't want him to do it, but we might do. I, we might do, considering what we've seen in terms of the pattern of the subs. But... Yeah. Equally, I'd be pouring poor bleach in my eyes if I saw Sigurdsson and Gomez in the same team. And no, <laughs> I, I, I think we might run a competition for the world's slowest team if that happened. But hey, we'll be we'll, we'll... well, that does concern yeah. me because we, we are going to look a little bit one pace, aren't we? It's going to be we're going to be relying yeah. a lot on, on Dean and Calvert Lewin for our pace. And I know that's you know, we've only lost one. Fast player in Richarlison, but you know, if he's one of your two or three fast players, it's like 50% of your pace is gone. Yeah, uh, on that pace issue, though, I saw a guy on Twitter today put he's a quite a football maverick, so take over a pinch of salt that we should play on Konku and Dean and sort of just I don't know, play one or one left midfield and one sort of left back. I don't know where, how would you feel about that? Seen that a lot, but you can't have you look at the squad and we've got. One, two, three, four potential options on the left, and you get a sending off, and then you put your left back there. It's like, you know, it will be Bernard and Gordon would all just sit there and go, Wow, like, <laughs> and Kunku's a teenage left back who's done well against lower league opposition just because he's fast and did a back heel for an assist doesn't mean he can suddenly go into a Premier League in the front three. Like, no. I, I understand the you know, the the thought, but it's it's not realistic, is it? No, I, I don't agree either. I just saw it as an option that someone put out. But I think it would probably be Bernard and Awobi. I would like to see Awobi and Gordon. But either way, I think we're, we're just hoping we win. Out of their team, I know we've mentioned Danny Ings, but my second most hated footballer of all time after Danny Ings, after Aaron Connolly, um, James Ward-Prowse will, be, will probably be played. Now, I really do actually quite rate him, but I still hate him. And I think that's a dangerous place for me to be in because I know I'll, <laughs> I'll leave the room every time they get a set piece. That's one key message from this game. Do not give any set pieces away because they're practically a penalty. They scored yeah. one against last year, didn't they? That's how they got their goal in the 2-1. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't... It Was it... What was it where Gomez didn't actually foul someone, but there was, it was blown up? I don't know. I can't remember. But... At all, maybe. Anyway, so before we finish up, you um, you got a prediction. Um, I'll, I'll be putting. I won't. That's really positive. I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll I'll say one one, one one. Give me the points and take me out of the kind of thing. I think if, if someone said if someone had to give me a point now, I'll probably take it. Yeah, well, you you've nicked my answer, so I'm gonna have to go with um. 2-1 now they're going to be tight as a duck's ass for the game so I think we I think we might I, I, we might end you we might end you like you know some good set pieces and Michael Keane or Gary Mean and Edder off a corner maybe 
and then a another you know the, the obligatory Dominic Calvert Lewin finish. Yeah, I I think for us, I, I think a will be score. I think he'll just get I don't know something on the edge of the box will break to him, and he'll just put him one of the corners. Now, if that happens, now you'll get 110 comments. Where are the lottery numbers? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, but I think, I think that's been it, hasn't it? Think anything else you want to bring up? No, no. No, other, nothing other than that. I think de- tough game, very good opponent, with very well-coached man, very coached team with a great manager. Difficult, but I think it's a game that we both agree that if Everton are to do something quite extraordinary this season I think Everton can go to Southampton and win I think we we just keep all everything crossed that we win and hope that we avoid the um, obligatory Danny Ings goal I'll put on I'll, I'll put on Twitter before like the people who guaranteed to score Everton Rigi was one Ings was one and the other two were Paul Shard and Stephen Hunt so you can tell all the classics score against us <laughs> <laughs> Me and Terry are on today to um, discuss our defensive options. I'm sure we can agree that the full-back areas are pretty much set in stone at the moment with the form of, obviously, Coleman and Dean and kind of we know what they're about. But we're, 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 I think we can agree that the, the area of the pitch where we're most up for debate at the moment is our centre-backs. I think in all in, in the right, um, they're all good defenders. They're all, they're all in form relatively speaking and before we just have a chat about our defenders and going forward who's going to be our sort of go-to starting um, defenders I think we'll start with who I would consider at the moment our best defender I'm not sure you'll agree with this so we'll move on Michael Keane Um, obviously anyone I've been a huge fan of Michael Keane now for about 10 years for right from his Burnley days because obviously a big fan of the way he was set up there and he was someone I wanted to buy. Um, yeah, he didn't work out at first, but I think he's improved as time's gone on, Michael Keane. But um, obviously, if you, you can talk about both in retrospect and sort of how he is now. What, what, you, what do you make of Michael Keane as a defender? Well, I've, I've gone back and forth on Keane a lot since he's been here. When he, when he signed, I was really happy with him, um, and especially in his first little run. Even though, you know, it was the Koeman sort of, like, meltdown, um, I've always felt he was our best defender because, you know, he was alongside Ashley Williams, um, an ageing Phil Jagielka, and, um, you know, very young Mason Holgate. But then, you know, he came out the team and I always felt, no, he, he will... I, people sort of... A lot of people turned on him and thought he wasn't very good. And I was always one of his defenders saying, no, he will be good. He's carrying an injury. He had like a strange gash on top of his foot. I think it was, and he couldn't shake that off for ages. And every time he'd get back, it'd open up. And, you know, this is around the Allardyce time. But when it was um, Marco Silva, I said, well, Michael Keane's, you know, got it. He's, he, you know, Silva's first season, said he's got it. He, he should be a starting centre-back. And it was either one or the other two like alongside him of, of me or Zoom and it was at this point. Then I sort of went the other way. Like there was a time, you know, in Marco Silva's second season, so the third season of Avon Keane, I, I sort of threw me, um, you know, took me flag down. I was like, no, I, I, don't, I actually don't think he has got it. He's a bag of nerves. He makes mistakes, you know, so on and so forth. 
And I remember when he, he do you remember this, this, even as late as Carlo Ancelotti being the manager, do you remember when he played Crystal Palace and he he brought yeah. Michael Keane and dropped Jerry Mina? It was Mina and Holgate. No, it wasn't. There was Mina and Keane for the Palace oh, game. Oh, that's sorry, you're right. Yeah, Holgate. because Holgate had obviously come to life and got into a really great vein of form and you know established himself in the team. And he played every minute of every game up until that point, hasn't he? And, and I was like, yeah. that going with Bingham Keane in four, he's, you know, he's crap. That's how late I was, like, not sold on Keane. Because I'd, I'd gone from his, you know, fa- a defender to, a, you know, a doubter. And now I've gone back the other way. Because since he's come back from lockdown, and you know, it's not an opinion, you know, that isn't very, you know, it's not an opinion that's specific to me. I think everyone's seen since he's come back from lockdown. He's just grown and grown and grown and now I'm at the point where from the start of this season we're going to you know we're talking about the defence what's our best defence I think he's the first name in the defence on it in the centre backs yeah, at least you know obviously the, as you said at the beginning I think there's no argument you're not you know it's going to be Luca Dean and Seamus Coleman but I think it's this video I mean certainly for me and me and you is who partners Michael Keane because Michael Keane yeah. is just the undisputed best centre back at the club at the minute, based on form, and it's not a short sample of form either. It's been for several months. He's he's become a different player, so I've, I've swung back and forth a lot on him, but now I'm back firmly in his camp. I think he's a fantastic player. He's he's just come on leaps and bounds. As I've said at the start for for years now, I've been a huge huge fan of Michael Keane in terms of what he's about as a defender. I think he's a really good defender. I think. His aerial abilities, I think, really good. I think in both boxes now, I think we're seeing in the in the in when we go for a corner, he's always getting on the end of it, which was something. Even in his Burnley days, he wasn't really prolific. He got the odds one important goals better than what he has done previously here. But I think I think what he's producing at the moment is pretty much unrivaled in terms of aerial ability in both boxes. Obviously, he's been fantastic. I, I did. I had the agenda that I, I think he should be starting that pretty much get every game for Everton up until I think the Brighton game remember when we got B3-2 yeah. and Aaron Connolly was diving and everywhere, he was poor that day he got dragged out of position everywhere I thought, look I've been his biggest fan probably but even me now I can't really make a case from starting and not giving Mason Holgate a chance but I think it was around the time Holgate just came in for the Watford game in the cup and was excellent so I was probably of that opinion that Holgate should come in. He, he did. And then obviously Silva got sacked and so went the suicidal high line. And then Carlo Ancelotti came in and I think it was Keane and it was Mean and Holgate for a while and I was fine with that because I thought they complemented each other really well. And then there was, I don't know, there was a sort of a turning point where Michael Keane got thrown back in. And even before he got thrown back in, you could tell Carlo Ancelotti was a fan of Michael Keane because he went on that BT Sports interview with, I think, Des Kelly. Mm. And he name-dropped Michael Keane as a player who's going to come forward with him in this sort of rebuild or everything. And that surprised me because he hadn't really played at that point. So that told me that he's going to be around. I think, obviously, then he got rewarded with a new contract. And then from, I think we've had this conversation many times. As soon as he was given that new contract, he was no longer Ronald Koeman's player. He was Carlo Ancelotti's player because he showed that sort of trust in him. And then yeah. since we've come back after um, lockdown and we've continued into the new season, 
he's been number. He's. I would go as far as to say, even if you go back to when we were playing the last sort of ebbs of last season, if you go from then to now, he's been our most consistent player throughout that time in terms of performances in every game. Except maybe I think he was poor when we played Wolves away. He got dragged everywhere that day, but pretty much that was the only sort of blip in his sort of sort of new Evan create since his contract. So uh, for me, there isn't any doubt that he's our number one centre back at the moment. I think people question his pace, sort of his ability to sort of play in a higher line, but I think Carlo's dealt with that really well. I think he's put legs around him, both in full back and sort of whole midfield areas this season. For me, no questions for me over Michael Keane. He, he would would he be both in our if we sort of as a dream that everyone was fit at the moment, would we both go for Michael Keane as one of the centre-backs? Yeah, definitely. There you go. You know, the full-backs, as we said, you know, picked themselves. And I think Michael Keane picks himself. It's, um, he's just he's just so, such a good player this season. Like I, When he came back into the team um, around after lockdown time, I sort of, even then I was... You know, had to be convinced. I was like, is this just because we're playing four four two and he's back in a low block? But and then like he's improved because of that. But this season we haven't been playing the low block. We've been playing quite mm-hmm. high, and, and he, um, he's he looks even better now than he did then. So yeah, I think that's that's pretty much nailed on. He's the currently the top centre back at the club. So I'd say it's Michael Keane plus another. The the next person I wanted to move on to and discussing our centre back options is. I would say it's strange for me in a bit of a way because I'm a fan of his, but nevertheless, he seems to split the fan base. And that's Yeri Mina. I think I'm a fan of Yeri Mina. I think he's another one who's had his ups and downs or everything, but I'm overall a fan of his. Um, you, you said you've had a little bit of a change of heart on Yeri Mina lately. Um, what are you, what have you, timeline your thoughts on Yeri Mina? My timeline isn't as you know up and down with Mina as it was on Keane because obviously I went you know pro to to anti to back to pro with Keane. I've always been quite pro pro Yeri Mina because you know I, he got a lot of stick at the beginning of his Everton career for being injured, like as if he could help that. You know he resigned him injured yeah, and he, no. he, didn't, he didn't establish himself straight away and. I think there's a good player in there. There's a good defender. Now I haven't had a change of heart in the sense of I don't think he's you know crap, and I don't want to see him play. But I, I'm now of the opinion if everyone's fit, then it's got to be him or Michael Keane. Um, it's Michael Keane. Like I wouldn't have said that even as early as like three months ago before you know last season. I'd have still said if you you know gun to my head. I'd have still said you know Yeri being over Michael Keane. But I've this season's just you know made me think otherwise. Like now, uh, based on you know all the information available, I'd, I'd say Michael Keane now. So for me, we've got two stoppers and two you know ball play and recovery centre backs. So it's it's one yeah. or the other. I w- yeah, I think you can get away with playing um, Godfrey and Holgate, but and we are getting away with playing playing Mina and, and Keane. But I think the ideal scenario would be you know one of each type. And I think yeah. there's just no that it's who's the better defender at the minute. It's Michael Keane. Yeri Mina's still got a place at the club. Obviously, I'm not suggesting that you know he's not good enough for us or anything like that. But for me, he's he's much further down the pecking order than he than he was not long ago. 
in, you know, in my own mind. And if you said to me, you've got to sell one of your four senior centre-backs, obviously, you know, it's not going to be Godfrey because he's just signed. He, he, he now, for me, is one of the, the, the weaker, more sellable assets if it came to selling one of them because his opposite number is 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 competition for the stopper position the you know the the that role that right sided stop and centre back it's keen and I, I, I've I've come so far the other way on keen you know new contract and all as you said he's one of Carlo's men and I, I think Yeri Mina is a useful player but don't think he starts when everyone's fit. No I, I'm very much of the opinion that you can say, well, people might say in the comments, well, I think Keane and Mina are our best two. You might be right, but I still don't think it's the best compliments to what we what we want to play. I think you want to have someone who is strong aerially and then you want to have someone who can sort of recover and sort of win the ball back from like a ball over the top or a through ball. And you can't you can't necessarily and like people might say Godfrey and Holgate don't know why they would come to that opinion of one game of Ben Godfrey, but they might say that. But equally, teams would just throw loads of crosses in the box. They're not brilliant aerially, so I think we're right. I think you're right. It's got to be Keen and Keen or Mina and Holgate or Godfrey. And so, for me, Michael Keen wins stopper role. I, I, I just think he's. We, we talk about confidence players, but I think Michael Keane's confidence at the moment is greater than Yerry Mina's. So Michael Keane starts from that side for me. Now I think we should <coughs> move on to the source of the, the recoverers. And Mason Holgate, I think he got injured at the end of last season, but rarely didn't put a foot wrong when he did play. In my opinion, I thought he was brilliant, of course. For a long period of time, he was Evans' best player last season in terms of the consistency. I think he's really come on since that loan spell of West Brom. I think he was one for me when he before he went on loan. I wasn't a fan of him. I was seeing him being sold. I weren't a fan of his. I thought if we can get a fee, if Eddie Howe's willing to spend twenty million on it, we should probably send him there because it's that kind of sign he would make. But I think I've come completely other way with Mason Holgate. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a leader, and. At the moment, I think if they're all fit, he would be the person I would start next to Michael Keane. Yeah, I mean, Mason Holgate, alongside Calvert-Lewin, is the most improved player since Marco Silva left. So I, I say it like that, not from when Ancelotti came in, because I'm also including the Duncan Ferguson games. So, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, I count that as one here. Car- Carlo only came yeah. in on the day but Duncan Ferguson's still there and obviously has a big say of you know how things are going now. Mason Olgate surprised me. I'm not gonna go over it again. Like you know you've said it I've said it on previous um videos that I was not a believer in Mason Olgate. I just didn't think he had it and he's proved me and then everyone else who was of the same mind wrong because he just became invaluable. Like he's versatile as you said he's a leader He's quick and he's good on the ball. He wanted like times he can, you know, you know, play that key pass from centre back. Even though he's been playing left centre back and he's right footed, he's got the confidence to step out and you know play like a, you know balls through the lines, which is something that you know. He, I mean, Michael Keane started. This is turning into a Michael Keane love letter this segment, but Michael Keane started. <laughs> he started passing really well this this year, but like you know historically. 
Holgate's been the best passer of the, the centre backs, but his concentration hasn't been there. But I think he's he's improved that a lot in the past twelve months. So I would say I would agree with you. I think at the minute our first three centre back partnership would be Keane and Holgate when everyone's fit, because then you've got that good combination. They obviously get on very well together and have got like a good understanding. Um, and we can't really, we we're going to touch on Godfrey in a second, but you couldn't really make a case yet for Godfrey to start over Holgate because, you know, even if you'd paid a lot of attention to him at, at Norwich, which to be honest, I didn't. I saw Norwich when they played us and I never really bothered. Um, My, yeah. Go on, go on. No, carry on. I'll, I'll say what I was going to well, say in a minute. Well, I'd, I'd just, I would just say that it, literally it, it'd be um, Keane and Holgate as the partnership with um, the third, you know, the, the first centre-back to come in would be Godfrey. And I'll explain, I'll let you say what you want to say and I'll explain why in a second. No, all I was going to say is my watching of Norwich was just laughing around many goals they were conceding on the weekly and just getting battered every week. That was that was as much as I paid attention oh. to Norwich other than when they slapped us across Goodison. <laughs> well, the, um, the third, you know... My statement then was I'd have Ben Godfrey as the third centre back, and that's like you know you might think really he's played right back for five minutes and you know or however long it was, and you're putting him ahead of Yerimina. Yes, and I'll you know I like Yerimina, but I'll tell you why. I watched the England under 21s uh, in the international break for the sole purpose. I never do usually watch even the England senior team, but um, I was in by myself. Mrs was on a shift, and it was um, it was on. And I knew Godfrey was playing, so I thought we hadn't seen him yet, or he hadn't played for Everton yet. When I watched him, he played left-sided centre-back, and he has a lot of the traits that um, Holgate has. Like he, um, you know, he steps out with the ball, he passes, he's got good recovery pace. He's faster than Holgate. I'll tell you that for free straight away. There he is. But the reason I think he should be the third choice, on you know, unless he was to establish himself even more and be, you know, quite higher. Is that he's also got you know the physicality not not quite as big as Jenny Mean obviously but he's got far more physicality than Holgate so he's like a nice blend between Holgate and Mina he's built like a fruit machine he's absolutely you know, like you know he's broad he's broad and strong across the chest whereas you could play him um, in place of Holgate and not lose any of the pace or the passing ability. Or you could play him alongside Holgate with um, instead of Michael Keane, if you if he was the third defender coming in for an injury, and he'd still have the physical presence that he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't. You say he throw a load of crosses in, depending on who the striker is, he'd still be able to hold his own well more than Mason Holgate would because he's bigger, you know, physically more imposing. So I think you could play Godfrey with any of the other players because he's got a bit of both, whereas. Yeah. The others are all specialists in their style of play. You know, Holgate's really quick and he's good on the ball, but he's not that strong. Michael Keane's probably, you know, he's the he's one of the better passers and he's the better stopper. Yeri Mean is the biggest and the strongest, but Godfrey's got like a little bit of all of them. So it, for yeah. me, it'd be Keane, Holgate, Godfrey is the one to come in, and then Mina would be fourth choice, unfortunately. I probably would agree with that. I think another thing that we really sort of need to sort of mention here is we we like we all we I think we like all four centre backs really. I think any 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 of the four players, I don't think any of we would have an issue with that. 
the reason why, and this is the reason I like the Godfrey sign is because of the pace. Both of our full-backs like to spend time in the opposition, in the opposition half attacking, sort of linking up with the attack. Obviously, the way the Premier League's gone so far this season, it's been quite a sort of fast place, fast-paced attacking league. If we're to sort of limit the amount of chances the opposition's going to get against us, it would be really nice to have a Ben Godfrey, even a Holgate, because Holgate's no, not slow to sort of recover through counter-attack. So let's say Luca Dean loses the ball on the edge of the opposition's box on Sunday and James Ward-Prowse hits his eyes, he'll go as he likes to do, and Danny Ings runs on it. Godfrey can, could be there to recover, win the ball back and play through the lines. I think as we progress as a team, we need to be a team. That, and I know I don't love possession football, but to be able to sort of assert our dominance on the opposition more by restricting how much they can do with the ball. I think Godfrey gives us a better opportunity to do that than a straight mean, a keen partnership, which lends itself more to a narrow low block, whereas a Godfrey and a keen partnership sort of allows you to press high because then if the opposition sort of plays a long ball out and beat the press that way, you've got the aerial sort of ability of Michael Keane or Yeri Mina if any of them play. And then but if they beat the press, sort of play an intricate passing and then sort of a one round the corner, you've got the pace of Holgate or Godfrey to sort of sort of balance that out. So I think we've got good options and I think going forward, I think we can both be happy with them playing, but in sort of their own styles of play rather than a mix and match. I think that's kind of what, what we're going to take from this, that there has to be a sort of definite sort of difference between the two centre-backs rather than Keane, me and I. I know you say you would be happy with Holgate and Godfrey, but the worry for me would be that we would play a team with a big target man. We would press high and they would just lump it to the target man, hold the ball up and then we'd be caught up the pitch instead of having Keane who'd sort of physically be able to keep, keep up with him more than any of the others. But I think I think we're happy with any of the four. Um, anything else you'd like to add? No, not really. It's just I, I always think, you know, when you're assessing squad depth, and I always think this, I apply this to any time we sign a player as well, is would you be happy if you had to play any of them? Would you would you would you panic if you had to play your second choice or would you just go, okay, that's fine? And obviously there's areas of the pitch where you go, well. You, know, you can't help it where you go, oh, well, what's your second choice for Amos Rodriguez? And you sort of go, we haven't got one, we're just going to make two. Like, what's your second choice for Calvert-Lewin? We haven't got one, we're going to just make two. We're at centre-back. We haven't got that problem. I wouldn't be upset to see any one of the four we've got start um, in any combination. Like, obviously, there's, there's, I think, possibly one of the, the weakest combinations would be Keane and Mean, and I'm at top of the league playing then. Yeah. So, <laughs> Obviously not that bad, are they? So um, I wouldn't go into any any game with a combination of those four centre-backs. Or if we got an injury to one of the starting centre-backs, I wouldn't panic and go, what are we going to do? Whereas you're obviously going to do that with other positions. It's one of the most well-balanced and well-stocked areas of the of the squad. And we haven't even touched on, um, you know, Jared Branthwaite. So I don't no. think he's... Shouldn't be in the conversation for starting, certainly not, but it just goes to show even outside those four players, there's still 
some very good options there. You know, he, he he did better than anyone I think you know thought he would do in the pre the post lockdown games. Um, and you know he he's now gone to what fifth choice, and and he he's still yeah. you know capable. I think he you know might might need a loan out to get some proper football, but he he's another one. If we were to cash in on one of the four, I think he could slot in as well. I've got a question for you um, in terms of one of the centre-backs we haven't touched upon yet. But in terms of, I think, obviously, we all know that sort of at some point, I feel, I feel like we say every summer, but at some point, FFP will eventually catch up with us in terms of what we actually can do. In that respect, I think we've said we if we got an offer for Mina, we, wouldn't, we would be more inclined to take it than the other three, but... Something that Liverpool's been doing really well for years. I don't want Liverpool to all over the place do well, but Liverpool seem to do really well and get big money for sort of young players who played five minutes off the bench. Is Lewis Gibson now, and obviously Lewis Gibson's had several loans. For me, obviously with the centre backs that we got next summer, and I think it's bold statements and people might disagree, but I would take money for him next summer if we got. As we're not going to get loads of money, but an offer that's acceptable next summer I would take it just because if you take money for him you can do something maybe a bit more in another position and I don't see him in a month of Sundays starting above any of the centre-backs we've mentioned including Jared Brantways so is that something you would consider? Yeah 100% like he you know he was highly he probably still is highly thought of at the club but the Sorry, the landscape's changed. We've had a change of manager, change, you know, different players have come in and it happens all the time. It's, it's unfortunate for him, but he's, you know, he he's now, let's be honest, the sixth choice centre-back. And, um, you know, he's gonna he's gone to the Championship. I think if we can get money, for, we can make money on him. We're not going to do what Liverpool do and, and sell players who haven't done a tap for massive money because um, no one else is able to do that. Um but we paid six million for Lewis Gibson, remember, off Newcastle. So I'd want to either get the money back for that, or you know, make a bit of money. And if he does well in the championship, there's you know, there's loads of clubs who who could come in for him. Like you know, the championship well better than I do. But I can immediately just think Norwich, someone like that, you know, yeah, go right there. Exactly, one of the Bournemouth. I mean, they haven't got a DL anymore, but like one of those teams who <laughs> don't play with. They don't play with big centre backs. They play with young footballing centre backs. If that's their style, then he'd be ideal. There's loads of clubs in the championship that would go with that. I think Blackburn might be a good fit for him in terms of thinking stylistically. It's good in the ball. Yeah. They like to knock the ball about, ball about a bit. He might be good for them. But I do think that's a, a interesting point to bring up. He's been unfortunate, really. That like Brantwaite came in when he was on loan and was better than people would expect. And no, nobody who bought Brant, it, nobody when we bought Brantwaite, excuse me, thought he was going to come in and play any first team minutes. But he's obviously got in training and impressed, and he's he's gotten more minutes than you know Gibson's ever got now. And that's just unfortunate. Gibson's done what he's been advised to do by the club is go out on loan and you know drop down the pecking order. Then we've signed another centre back because the opportunity came up. So. It's just all happened, and that's that's just football. You know, it's, it's not the end of his career, but it's sort of put him, you know, out of the reckoning for Everton. But definitely a good enough player. I've, I've seen him a little bit in the under twenty threes. Um, you know, he, he's he's a bit like a left footed, you know, Holgate when he started. Like, you know, yeah. very slight, very lightweight. He's not gonna he's not gonna win every header, but he's a good footballer. So that's why I yeah. said Norwich one of them type players we used you know Blackburn as well as you say that's I wouldn't profess to know much about Blackburn but 
Yes, but it's what's definitely an area that pitcher we've got a lot of options anyway. Yeah, two things to end on there. I think someone when I was talking about our centre offs the other day, someone messaged me saying, "Why don't we do a Walter Smith and play them all?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, honest, you, can play, you can play all gates anywhere, can't you? All gates plays all over the pitch. He's the new Steve Watson. Yeah, um, that was one another fingers. We've made this video, and someone in nine months will still say, "Should we bring John Stones back?" <laughs> yeah, every time till he retires. Well, there we have it. Um, another episode of the Toffee Blues podcast in the bag. Obviously, no quiz this week because we've been a little bit um, a little bit down on on a on numbers. We've got you know a few injuries in the squads. We're having to you know play a few different positions. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pick a song to see us out. And I think what we'll do is we'll we'll pick a song that suits you know the mood of everyone at the minute. You know, in tribute to the you know, football player Virgil van Dijk, who sadly is still with us and is, um, you know, book of condolences is filling up nicely. So the outro song is by Billy Ocean and it's called Love Really Hurts Without You. We'll uh, never forget you, Virgil van Dijk. You know, taken too soon. The first player in football history to get a long-term injury. God bless.